We're going to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, if you would please. Ezekiel 37, this is a familiar passage, but I want to extract, if I could, from a little bit different perspective. Um, Ezekiel, the prophet, is carried away in a vision. It is, uh, it is not something that is physically manifested in, in front of him in, the, in this realm. It's a vision. Um, another word I guess you could use would be a trance-like moment that he's carried away into a valley. And the valley is full of dry bones. And the valley represents the nation of Israel, the people of God. And they're in a, they're in a very bad place. He said the valley was dry and the bones were scattered everywhere and they were, they were bleached out. It was, a, it was not the kind of vision, you know, when you say, God, take me deeper. That's not really what you want to see. You don't want to be praying and seeking God and all of a sudden you're just in the middle of this valley and there's dead people laying everywhere. That's not really what you want to see. But the Lord said in verse 4, he said, prophesy upon these bones. Prophesy upon these bones. And say to the bones. Now, folks, bones don't have the ability to hear. But he said, prophesy to the bones and say to the bones, hear what I'm about to tell you. I want you to think about how strange this is. Say to the bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will cause breath to come into you, and you shall live. Verse 9, very quickly. Then he said to me, prophesy unto the wind. Somebody say the wind. Amen. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the north, south, east, west, the four winds. O breathe, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Breathe on these bones that they may live. The Lord spoke to him and said, tell the bones that the wind is going to blow on you. But if you read the story, there's a lot that has to happen between the word going forth and the wind coming forth. And today I'm going to preach to you for a few moments for the sake of your remembrance from this subject. Don't wait for the wind. Don't wait for the wind. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Ezekiel 37 is probably... One of the most preached uh, visions in the scripture. Uh, I would say, especially in, in Pentecost, the only biblical vision that may come anywhere close and parallel to the amount of attention that it's given would have been that of Peter, which was also in Joppa, uh, in the uh, Tanner's house, on the roof of the house. The sheet came down out of heaven, and this was in Acts 10 uh, powerful revival that was coming to the Gentiles and Ezekiel 37 is one of those visions that you hear preached when somebody is maybe 
starting their ministry and they want to preach something that's faith, they'll grab Ezekiel 37 and preach to the dry bones. You know, that's, it's one of those chapters that you can just kind of preach the britches off of however you want to preach it. You can talk about what God's saying to him. The question, can these bones live? I mean, how many times have you heard that question asked in an apostolic service? Can these bones live? And then, you know, I've, I've heard it several different ways presented. Ezekiel had no faith because he said, Lord, thou knowest. Ezekiel had a ton of faith because he was saying, Lord, only you know. I've, I mean, I've heard it just about every way you could say it. Uh, the resignation in the voice of Ezekiel, I don't believe, was necessarily just saying, I, I don't give a flip if they ever live or not. You just have to understand the overwhelming sense that had to be happening in the life of Ezekiel when he's more than likely in a prayer meeting or in a dream, and all of a sudden, he gets carried away in this vision. It's like, whoo, and here he is. There's a leg bone here and a skull laying there and arms over here. It's just like, it's crazy. And they've been there for a long time. Somebody say a long time. How many of you know that nations don't backslide overnight? Neither do saints. You don't get dry overnight. You don't get that broken overnight. What Ezekiel was looking at was not something in the spirit realm that had just transpired last night while he was asleep. It was not something that happened just because one day Israel woke up and said, you know what, we're going to commit whoredoms against our God and fall in love with idolatry. It didn't just happen like that. It was the process of slowly turning away from what they knew to be truth until eventually uh, the Lord would lift the hedge from them. And it happened not just one time in the scripture. It was almost like a perpetual state of recovery for Israel for a while. They'd get right with God, then they'd turn their back, and the Lord would get mad. Even Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, was so frustrated uh, in his prophecies. The Lord was speaking to him and said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to divorce him. A couple verses later, he called him his wife again. He changed his mind. He said, I'm not going to divorce him. He said, just come back home. He said, I want my bride to just come, come on back home. In other words, you can see before the coming of the Messiah, all throughout the scripture, it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what I talked to you on Wednesday night about repentance. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. The Lord was not looking for this valley of dry bones that was a scattered people to just sit up in the valley all scattered out, bleached out and say sorry somebody say that's not what return looks like the picture that's painted in modern Christianity is of a prodigal that's in a pig pen and the hand of God just reaches down and touches that boy in the pig pen he stands up in the Swine feeding trough and dances and shouts and huckabucks and speaks in other tongues. And God restores him and just leaves him right there where he can be happy in the pig pen. And that's the kind of God that is presented in this hour. Folks, listen to Pastor when I tell you we cannot afford the closer we get to the coming of the Lord to just stop preaching about sin because it makes people uncomfortable. 
Somebody somewhere is going to have to preach that right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. God is still good. His judgments are sure. I believe with all of my heart that the prodigal was just like the children of Israel in Ezekiel's vision. They did not wander from the path of God without knowing what righteousness was. You don't just become unrighteous. You've got to turn and walk away from your father's face. Before the boy ever ends up in a pig pen, he's in a face-to-face with his father. And he says, I want what belongs to me. It's a spirit of entitlement that comes to us if we're not cautious in the kingdom of God because we have done our part and we have been faithful to the house of God and we have paid our tithes and we have been good children of God so we are entitled. But what happens is that the boy became focused on an inheritance that was to come at a later season in his life and he fell more in love with the inheritance Then he did the father who owned the inheritance. And it's the story of Israel. They fall in love with what was around them. They fall in love with the latest fad. They looked at other people. I'm about to preach something to you right here that you can't afford to miss. So stay with me through this stride right here. But they fell in love with something because it looked like other people were serving those gods And that they were flourishing and doing well. If it did not look successful, idolatry would have never got a foothold. Woo! And thus it is in the kingdom of God, even King David, a man after God's own heart, was frustrated when it looked like prosperity was coming to the wicked. And he said, it almost made my foot slip. He said, when I beheld the prosperity of the wicked, my foot had well nigh slipped. But he said, when I came into the sanctuary of the Lord, it became crystal clear to me that their prosperity is not the way God wants to prosper me. It's easy to find systems that look like they're blessed. I'm preaching to you right now. It's easy to find systems that look like they're blessed and cost much less than what it's costing you right now. And that's where we get into some pretty scary stuff. I almost feel like I'm kind of piggybacking off of Wednesday night because I can't get it out of my spirit. But it's more than just that. Whoever it is that's had me up the last two nights pacing the floor, I just want to say I hope you get it right today because I'm sleeping tonight. I was up at 4.30 this morning walking back and forth in my living room saying, God, I don't know what it is, who it is, what's going to happen, but I need you to speak and I need you to do it in a hurry. (laughs) Please, God. Because I'm sleepy. You've got to understand that if it did not look well and good and prosperous, There would be no danger of you ever leaving toward that. And it's not a new trick because the scripture said 
that the serpent beguiled Eve and she looked at the tree and behold, it was good to eat. How about that now? They were rejected from the presence of the Lord over what looked good. And so people look at things and they say, well, if it wasn't of God, then God wouldn't be blessing it. They look at people and say, well, surely God's hand is on their ministry because they're flourishing. They're doing well. They're growing. They're prospering. What are they growing? What is it that they're expanding? Now, forgive me if this sounds a little crude, but there's a vast difference in putting rear ends in church pews and growing the kingdom. Because the world goes to church at ball games and movie houses and everywhere else, and they don't have any trouble filling the seats. But sometimes the seats are full and the soul is empty. And so you must understand that it's going to look good. And it's going to look like it's blessed. But there is a little principle that you find over and over and over in the scripture. And it is that just because something looks successful, it does not mean that it's because God's hand is upon it. The principle can be found in a flint rock in the wilderness. When the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock. And when Moses got frustrated, what did he do? He smote the rock. He was a frustrated man. I think Mo may have had a short fuse. Because Moses got frustrated and threw down tablets and he got frustrated and started beating on rocks. Hope he didn't beat on no women. You know what? I'm going to tell you something, church. Listen to pastor when I tell you. At some point, when you're trying to lead people, you're going to get frustrated. It's easy to get frustrated. But people are people. I've dealt with people all over the world. I've preached all over the world. And you find out that people in other countries, they backslide just like Americans. It's a process. They get frustrated at something, blame it on God, blame it on the church, blame it on the pastor, and they leave. Let me ask you the question. Was Moses in full disobedience when he smote the rock? Did he disobey what God told him to do? The Lord said, speak. His action was in direct opposition to the commandment of God. God said, speak. And he smites the rock out of frustration. What happened? Water came out. So let me ask you this question. How is it that Moses got the same result in direct disobedience that he would have gotten in full obedience if he would have spoken? Yet you can look at the ministry and say, well, he had to be right with God because water came from the rock. So it leads us to the question, and I think this will help somebody. Was God's hand on the rock or was God's hand on the people? God was not honoring his word to the rock. He was honoring his word to the people. 
that I'm going to be with you and I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to take care of you. But I'm going to have to deal with Moses a little bit differently. And so whenever there are thirsty people, Pastor, do you believe those people on TV are getting healed? Because I think it's fake. I do. I believe they're getting healed. I believe that people get healed. I believe that blind eyes are opened. I believe that crippled people walk. And it's not necessarily because somebody's in the will of God. It's because they provoke faith in somebody and it caused people to believe. You can smack people with your suit coat, breathe garlic breath in their face. Well, it ain't his garlic breath that's healing people. It's the power of God. Somebody give the Lord a great big hallelujah. I I feel like you need to know today that God is a God of principle. And he is a God that reaches to hungry people. And he is a God that can reach to people wherever they are and whatever shape they're in and whatever they're going through. But just because he blesses somebody does not mean that they're in alignment with the will of God. Can I preach for a little while this morning? I got 22 minutes before y'all's pot roast starts burning. So I'm going to preach to you a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't wait for the wind. So Ezekiel's in a valley of dry bones in this vision, this trance. He's seeing the dry bones. We know that it was not in the physical realm because he was not literally looking at the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. He was looking at a representation of them. And when the word of the Lord came to him, now listen to this. The first word of the Lord to him, after he asked the question, can these bones live? The Lord said, prophesy and tell them, essentially, tell the bones, hear the word of the Lord, the wind is coming. Is everybody with me? Tell the bones, I'm going to breathe on them, and they're going to live. The word of the Lord came forth to a valley that was in disarray and out of order. I'm glad that he can speak where there is disorder. Aren't you glad he didn't wait on you to get it all right before he made a way for you? Aren't you glad that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you? Aren't you thankful he didn't wait on you to get all prettified and Pentecostal before he set you free? Oh, I'm glad about it. I'm glad that his mercy reaches further than you could ever imagine. I'm thankful today for a God that has infinite mercy. I'm thankful. So the Lord carries him intentionally to a vision where there was not order. Everybody got that with me? If the nation would have had it together, then Ezekiel wouldn't have had to be there. But the prophetic gifts that operate in so many today, they only want to prophesy about the wind. The first word that came forth is, you're going to live. The wind is coming. I'm going to breathe on you and it's going to happen. And so Ezekiel could have just prophesied and said, all right, 
Go ahead and blow, wind. Let me ask y'all. What good does the wind do when it's still in disorder and chaos? The word of the Lord said that before the wind could blow, that there were some things that were out of order that had to come into place. As Ezekiel looked across and skulls laying over here and leg bones over here and skulls over there and backbones and spines over here and hip joints laying over here, it was a bad looking place. It was rough. And the Lord did not send his wind. He sent his word. Man, I feel like preaching right now. We have come to a place in Pentecost where we're often asking God to blow life into things that are still in chaos. It was not the will of God for bones to live in the condition that they were in. He said, I'm going to breathe on them. That's the end result. They're going to come to life. That's the end result. But don't wait on the wind to blow. I've got to bring some order into this chaos. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that our prayer time is filled with asking God to bless us. And to endorse us when our lives are in chaos and confusion. And what God is showing us by principle through Ezekiel in this vision is that I'm willing to send my word to fractured places. But I'm not willing to bless the brokenness. I'm not willing to breathe life into that condition It's a perfect picture of a sinner coming to the house of God. Just like I said about the prodigal and the Lord blessing him in the pig pen. And the the, the sinner, the backslider coming in on Sunday morning just feeling all happy about it. Praying back through. I'm telling you, listen to me. The arm of grace of the Lord. Right now, you can't outrun it. But there's coming a day that the dispensation of grace, whether just in your life or in a dispensationalism idea, that the arm of grace is going to stop now if I've walked out of the scripture I'll stand in judgment for that but the word of the Lord said that his spirit would not always strive with men you can't come into the house of God week after week and profess your undying love for Jesus Christ and walk back out on Monday and go back to a scattered place You're asking God to breathe on a broken, scattered valley that he's not willing to breathe on. Am I making any sense? And So what the Lord did not send the prophetic gifts to the valley to do was to breathe life onto something that did not know order. He said this thing did not become broken overnight and it's not going to be fixed without putting back together The things that were broken. And so you read the chapter and order begins to happen. The word of the Lord said in verse uh, number 7. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold a shaking. And the bones came together. Notice this language. Bone to His bone. Why is the language like that? In the interpretation of this, it gives us clear picture 
That random bones did not just go to random people. Oh, God have mercy. I'm... The Lord said, when I restore something, it looks like I did the restoration work. I'm not going to just grab a bone over here. This guy was six foot tall and this guy was five foot eight. So he's going to walk different forever. No, when God gets through with you, you're going to know you've been restored. He said, I'm going to do a work that's going to connect some things together. I have a way of erasing some scars. I have a way of erasing some past. I have a way of dealing with people. I'm going to bring it together with order. Bring it together. I'm going to bring it together and I'm going to do it bone to his bone. The noise came. Now, folks, you can read this story and dance and shout if you want to. I'm telling you about this point. Now, let's just bring this to modern day, okay? Let's, let's just do this. How many of you would like to walk into a big old mausoleum and just stand there when a noise starts going? No takers? Homeboy standing in the middle of a valley full of dead people. I'd be like, look, I don't know if this is a vision or what, but I'm running somewhere. I, I'm going somewhere, and it's going to be far, far, far away. You understand what I'm saying? God, if this is a vision, like, get me out of here. I'm done. I don't, I don't want this junk anymore. This is freaking me out. But understand, Pastor, when I tell you today, sometimes you've got to wait in patience in an uncomfortable place if God is going to bring restoration. You cannot escape the noise and the pain and the suffering of things having to come back together and take a shortcut to the breath of God. There's going to have to be some order that comes together bone to his bone. I don't ever read this story, Brother McClain, that I don't just start singing the hip bones connected to the leg bone, the leg bones connected to the... Y'all don't even know that godly song? Why does it say bone to his bone? Because God is a God of order. And when he restores... He restores rightly. It happens in a godlike fashion. God can do what nobody else can do. Hang on just one second. Let me be sure you get this. If I walk into that valley, it'd take me all day to figure out whose leg that is and whose back that is, but not God. God knows what we don't know. And he's saying, if you'll just stand still and be patient, I'll start putting this back together. I see from a different perspective. I'll do what you can't do because I know what you don't know. Now follow me. Bone came together. Somebody say structure. You know what some, some people need in their lives? They don't need somebody screaming in their ear. They don't need somebody telling them how stupid they are for making a mistake. They don't need somebody kicking them in the teeth when they're down and already having a hard time. They need a little structure. <laughs> when I was a kid, if, if a child was troubled, they'd say, you need to go in the military. I, I used to hear them say, they'd say, you know what that boy needs right there? That boy right there needs boot camp. Well, I'm not real sure he needs, I'm, I think like just a boot would help. 
don't know about the boot. Camp or not, but I, I can take him to camp. We can use a boot if that's what we need to do. I, I saw somebody shared yesterday uh, on social media. These, it, was a, it was a compilation of little kids mad at their parents and screaming. said, this is what happens when you outlaw spanking your kids. It took me about 14 seconds to get all I wanted of that. And I was ready to send them to boot camp, if you know what I'm saying. But something has to happen in the restoration work that is such a unique dynamic. And I'm afraid we've all fallen prey to this at one point or another. Now, I'm facing to get down where you're living, so just stay with me. But it's always easier to expect people to be patient with you when God's restoring you than it is for you to be patient with somebody else that God is restoring. When you're coming back to God, you expect people to give you time and distance and just let the Lord deal with me. Somebody else comes in and we've forgotten how good God's been to us. Woo, am I preaching this morning? Like not one of y'all said yes. Am I preaching? preach understand me this morning restoration is a work that only God can do and people need structure this is a bad time for Ezekiel to start breaking again what God is trying to put together can you imagine how different this vision looks when after the shaking, what's the shaking, Pastor? It's a Sunday morning just like this when conviction hits somebody and God shakes them and things start coming back together and then some preacher walks up to what God has just shook and starts breaking their leg. How could you fail God like that? How could you fail God like that? And I always hear the Apostle Paul in seasons like that just whispering, and such were some of you. And such and such and such were some of some of you were scattered. There's some people here this morning that I'm sure when you walked in here, you were scattered. You were broken in a million places. But right now, while I'm preaching, there's a little shaking that's going on. If you're feeling the draw of the Holy Ghost, let him draw you back together. There's nobody in this house that wants to kill you. There's nobody in this house that wants to break you. There's nobody in this house that wants to dismember your restoration. Let God work. Let him work. said they need some structure. Verse 8, he said, and when I beheld the structure come together, the next thing I saw was muscle tissue. Think about this process. Watch me now. The process of God is that structure had to come before strength. But once God put it back together, he said, watch this. What was just scattered a few minutes ago. Now I've put it back together, but watch me start restoring strength. Don't wait for the wind now. Because I'm working right now. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. Somebody needs to quit prophesying to the wind. It ain't time for the wind. Some of you need some strength right now. 
Some of you need God to begin to strengthen you little by little. And that joint that just came back together, he's going to connect a hamstring. and He's going to connect a glute. And it's all going to come together where it's supposed to go. He said, I saw it come together. And then lo and behold, I saw strength start coming. Muscles started coming. Cartilage started coming. So that it wasn't a grind when they walked after this. God have mercy. He started putting things back in those bones. The marrow started coming back together. And all the cartilage in just the right places. And the ball and socket joints. And everything was just right. I don't believe God put this back together in an arthritic position where everything was a mess. And it was all destroyed. And that nobody was ever going to be able to try. Oh, no, no, no. God put it back together. And he said, watch how I'm working right now, Ezekiel. I want you to see what I'm going to do to Israel. I'm going to bring them back together. And I'm going to make them a people of strength. And after the sinew comes on them, he said, and then skin came on them. And what did it do? It covered them. You don't understand what I'm saying to you right now. It was an effect that covered everything that they had been through. That skin came on them. And nobody could tell where they were broken. No, no, no. Nobody could see where they had been fractured before. But after the Lord put it back together and he brought some strength back to them, he said, now I'm going to cover you up. And I'm going to put some protection on you. I'm going to put some skin on you. I feel today. I feel today like God is trying to bring some things together and give some strength to some people today. But now you got to let him cover you up. Here it is. The skin came and covered them. But there was no breath. Listen, this whole process was leading up to the wind blowing. But the wind could not blow until God brought it back together. I'm preaching to somebody in this house this morning that God is doing a work in you. And it's just about time for him to start breathing some life back into you. you got to be patient because you've been living and feel like you were scattered. But now it's a little bit better and you feel stronger than you were. But you don't know why you're not feeling what you used to feel. Oh, my God. There used to be breath in those bodies, but it's not there right now. God's brought it back together. God's put strength on them. God's covered them up, but there's still no life in them. I'm telling you, the next step for you is the wind of God to blow into your life and to bring life into what God has restored. What we would like to have done is to stand up as Ezekiel say, okay, God said he's going to breathe. The wind is coming. But the Lord said, Ezekiel, don't wait for the wind. There's some things that I need to put in order before I can breathe on them. I feel the Lord telling us today, stop asking me to bless that and posture yourself in a place that I can bless you. 
Change your thought processes from saying, God, please bless my family. Bless, 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 bless. And let me put your family together. Stop asking me to bless your life. And let me put your life back together. You see everybody dancing and shouting and feeling good. You come in on Sunday and say, God, please blow on me. Please let the wind blow on me. Please let it blow on me. Don't wait for the wind. Stand up on your feet and say, God, I know that I'm a long ways from where I need to be, but I'm headed home. I'm headed back in the right direction. I'm not going to wait on the wind to praise you. I want to praise you for the shaking in my life. I want to praise you for what you're putting back together. I want to praise you for the strength that you're giving me. I want to praise you for the covering that's on me. And when it's time for the wind, it'll blow. Let's stand together. I'm not sure, Pastor, where this is going. It's good preaching. I appreciate that. What's it have to do with me? It has everything to do with us. The Bible said that on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, they were all together in one place and one mind and one accord. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. But understand me when I tell you that the Holy Ghost did not blow on the children of God in the streets of Jerusalem. He had to get them in alignment in an upper room. Now, I'm going to say something that there might be some folks in Pentecost disagree with. But I'm going to tell you, I believe it's biblically right. I've never read anywhere in the scripture, Brother Horner, that people tarry for the Holy Ghost for years. I don't believe in tarrying for the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that you got to tarry for six years and then you just get lucky one day and he gives you the Holy Ghost. You want me to tell you why people tarry for years at a time? Because they're not ready for the wind. They're asking God to fill them with breath that there's no skin, there's no strength, there's no structure. Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost, fill me with the Holy Ghost. But I love my cigarettes. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. I want it, but I love my alcohol. You're asking God to fill a vessel with something, a vessel that can't contain what he's filling you with. Don't wait. No, no, no. Don't wait for the wind. Get yourself in alignment with God. And let God begin to speak to you and draw you together and work on something. That's what repentance is all about. It's that turning moment where we say, I'm not going to lay here broken until the end of time. I'm going to let God bring it back together. I'm not going to wait on the wind to blow. We're going to chase the wind down. We're going to pursue the wind. I feel like today that God sent me on this Sunday morning to tell somebody that's getting impatient with God. And you're wondering why the blessings of the Lord have not come. And maybe you've been seeking the Holy Ghost and don't have it yet. The Lord has sent me here on this Sunday morning to say to you, don't wait for the wind. Don't wait for the Holy Ghost to come on your life before you let structure and order come to you. 
let God begin to heal you. There's some, there's some people in this place that are you're good people. You love God and you love people and you got things together, but you're frustrated. You're in a place right now that you're not even sure how you got there. And you've been faithful every time the doors are open, but you feel like you're cold. Like there's no breath coming on you. It's like you're living, but you're not. You ever walk into a hospital room where somebody's on a ventilator? You have to ask the question, are they alive? Yeah, sure. How do you know? Because the, the, the thing says it's, their heart's beating right there. You can see it. But are they living? Is there life in them? Yeah. But there's no breath. It's like, and there's somebody here this morning. The Lord sent me to you to tell you it's time for you to come off of Holy Ghost life support. That God wants to breathe some life back into you. But you've got to let him heal you got to let God bring some things back together and be patient in the process of what he's doing. Listen, some of you are trying to get God to fix other people that are broken in your life and the Holy Ghost is trying to fix you. You're saying, well, if it wouldn't have been for what they did to me, I wouldn't be backslid right now. If it wouldn't have been for how they treated me, I wouldn't be cold right now. Don't worry about them. You're waiting on the wind. My God, I feel restoration trying to move and work in this house right now. If they wouldn't have done me wrong, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. It may be true that that was the catalyst that led you in that direction, but today the Lord has sent this preacher on Sunday morning to tell you it's not over. And God can restore you and put you back together again. God can restore a work in your life in which no man can glory. Come on, let those tears flow right now. Let the Spirit of God flow over you.